When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. We acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional owners of the land the upcoming game is played on, and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to AFL Nation. Gary Rowan wins it after the siren with a dead eye shot. Where are you, buddy? There he is! <laughs> he juggles the mark at the front. Ball to Springer, the magic man. He's done it again. Jake Springer, the everywhere man. He says the chance to get through. Bontempelli! Simply the bot! Gives it to Gord. Willie from 55. Martin, goal, Tigers in front. At the final bell, it's a grand new flag. 57 years of torment eased. And a curse lifted. Melbourne Premiers in 2021. AFL Nation. Ah, yes, indeed. A very big hello and welcome to AFL Nation. We're at the home of footy, nay sport in this country today for the massive Easter Monday clash between the Hawks and the Cats. Hawthorne and Geelong will do battle at 3.20 this afternoon. Until then, over the next couple of hours, myself and Josh Jenkins are going to go through yesterday's games, the news of the round. We'll get into the Hawks' rooms at some point, and we will build up to this huge Easter Monday traditional clash that is always delivered in spades for those who attend and listen and watch and consume it in any way, shape or form. I hope you had a great Easter, however you've spent it, wherever you've spent it, however you celebrate it, wherever you celebrate it. It's great to have your company on AFL Nation for Sports Power. Get the latest Puma footy boots in store at Sports Power now. Uh, one bloke who I reckon did wear Puma yes. footy boots in his career. Uh, the former Crow, the former Cat, uh, and now current uh, AFL Nation uh, expert extraordinaire, Josh oh, yes, Jenkins. Yes. Hello, mate. Good afternoon, Sam. Good afternoon to everyone. Um, just getting ready for an Easter Monday, hopefully special. We've seen a few. I know it's a little lopsided, the head-to-head tally in favour of the Cats, but... You never know, particularly with the, well, the drizzle's just subsided, but it's going to be slippery this afternoon. So looking forward to the game. We're also looking forward to uh, casting our eyes back across and our thoughts and views across the weekend of, of footy. Yeah, I'm glad to see you here as well. About time you did some work uh, around this station yes. and earned your keep. Uh, what have you been doing this morning? Uh, did some did breakfast, Gary and Tim <laughs> and Bucks. Just the three hours of Brecky Radio and then yes. here for a couple more. Yeah, no, up, at, uh, up at four to commute from... Geelong, it rained all the way. It was heavy rain all the way in from uh, Geelong. So, yeah, jumped on this mm. morning and uh, did a few hours with Kane. We'll probably probably uh, double down on a few things. So hopefully I can right the wrongs of this morning and um, <laughs> and we can, uh, you can have a bit of a chat about footy and watch the MCG slowly start to come to life. There's been a, a light drizzle and, and in some places a heavier uh, smattering of rain 
that has fallen. But I reckon it's just starting to ease. The radar doesn't look good, but it's easing off uh, at the moment. And there's uh, the big mower out there at the moment just giving uh, a fresh trim to this magnificent uh, surface and venue. So uh, we haven't got anyone who's filtered in too early yet from a crowd point of view. So what are we, three and a a quarter hours away? So if you're here now, you are keen. Yep. When you were a kid, how how early did you want to get here? Uh, well, we had to make our way here from Swan Hill, so traditionally, I, I think I only came come to the uh, footy on a handful of occasions as a youngster. It was a big task from Swan Hill on what, the V line. What's, what's the round trip journey? Oh, well, it's it's a good four hours on the train each four way, hours. each way. So <laughs> that's longer than the game. And you spent only, longer than yeah. the game to get to the game. I remember a Richmond and Bulldogs game here. Um, I can't remember. I went to Optus Oval once or twice. I can't remember too many other games that I went to. So um, sometimes take it for granted when you get to sit in these seats and you didn't get to do it too often. And there's a lot of people around the country who never get to do it. So we are pretty lucky. We certainly are. So there's plenty to discuss in terms of the news of the round for Fuchs Lubricants. More trucks prefer Titan cargo. So a lot to chat about in terms of the Bombers and Fremantle. Yesterday, uh, there was some extraordinary scenes at the MCG here yesterday between uh, the, the, uh, the Blues and the Power. We'll have a chat about that as well. Um, there's plenty to talk about in terms of uh, the MRO. We'd love to get your view on whatever you'd like to have a chat about. 0433981116. You can text us or give us a bell. 1300 736 736. Uh, Fuchs Lubricants, Australian made with German technology. That pays back. So we'll cover off uh, as much as we can. We'll throw up a few theories and, uh, and ideas but uh, and we'll talk about this game in a little bit more detail as we get closer to the opening bounce. At 2 o'clock, uh, Dwayne Hutto, Nathan Jones to join you. That's going to be your call team to take you through this big clash. And as I mentioned earlier, um, when we were talking to Sam Edmund, we've got new audience that have just joined us uh, today for the first time, and we welcome you in. Uh, but the Hawks are ten, uh, 2 and 10 on this day. Hasn't been a happy hunting good. Grand Easter Monday. Five points last year. Um, the Cats were up by four goals at three-quarter time. The Hawks came back uh, but weren't able to get over the line. The Cats held on. Billy Brownless and his brother gave it to Jeff Kennett, which was, I thought was really was rather amusing. Um, but So the Easter Monday clash hasn't been a, a happy hunting round for Hawthorne. I mentioned earlier, JJ, and I'm really only going to repeat this because I had a couple of smart you-know-whats oh, no. uh, texting through. But the April 8th, Hawthorne actually haven't won a game on April 8th, 18th, by the way. April 18th since 1964. That's a while. That's a while. Mm. They've lost the last six many, in a row on this day. I was going to say, how many goes have they had at it? Six. Right. Since that time. Um, and they're two and ten on this day. But round five mm. has been a, a happy round for Hawthorne over the journey. A okay. couple of things there's have a, happened on round fives. 2002, Luke Hodge and Sam Mitchell make their debut. Positive. Uh, Hawthorne beat Richard. They won't help them today, though. No. Well, Sam Mitchell will. Yes, indeed he will. <laughs> uh, and in 1942... Yes. In round five, Hawthorne beat Collingwood for the very first time in their history. Ever. After losing the first 29 that they played against them. It was in front of 4,000 people, a wartime crowd. Fred Jones kicked five, if you don't mind. Uh, and so it's the 80th anniversary. of so They were zipping 29. <laughs> they were zipping 29 head. against the Pies. Uh, so someone said uh, that they, that's a minute of their life they'd never get back. Now I've taken up two minutes. Uh, <laughs> Of, now, of that person's life. You would imagine, I'm going to have yep. to find out, the head-to-head between Hawthorne and Collingwood. Surely Collingwood are still in front based on starting out 29 in front, 29 and zip. 
I think they are. I'd have to double check that. Hawthorne over uh, over the modern yes, era, though, yeah, have, have absolutely have had the win off over a little bit. Except that 2011. Well, there you go. Let's Hawks. see what today's round five, April 18, has in store for the uh, for the Hawks because some uh, some some ugly numbers. If you're one to to think that uh, 1942s results could potentially impact what happens today. We well, I shall see. Obscu- I do love an obscure stat. Uh, so let's have a let's have a little chat about the events of yesterday because it was a, a yes. fascinating a fascinating round of footy, and we won't do them in chronological order because I think probably newsworthiness the most newsworthy <laughs> game uh, of the of the ones that occurred yesterday was definitely Essendon and Fremantle. So uh, 8 the Bombers went down to Fremantle. 16-11, uh, So Fremantle go 4-1 and one on the year. Essendon go 1-4 and four on the year. Um, Tabana kicking 7 uh, was seven. the biggest haul of the year. 7 straight in an era where goal kicking is getting worse, not better. Uh, so that's a, a phenomenal performance from him. There's a lot being said uh, about Essendon. We're going to hear from Justin Longmuir, Ben Rutten. Matty Lloyd has not missed the Bombers today. The Velvet Sledgehammer. Dyson Heppel uh, and David King, who didn't miss either. But what was your impressions? And what, what, what tends to happen in these situations, JJ, is for, for we tend to focus on how bad a performance was instead of focusing on how good a performance was. And Fremantle were very, very good. Fremantle were very good. And maybe in two months' time... We'll look back and say Fremantle are very good, and that loss was to be expected. But right here, right now, it's a it's a, it's an ugly loss, and I was a I was definitely a subscriber to the one, the only Jared Whateley's theory of not inventing a crisis. So when they were zipping three, mm-hmm. I was I was subscribing to the theory: let's not panic, let's judge them on the next three. They scraped past Adelaide, but they put the four points in the win column. That's all that mattered. Yesterday was, was, was ugly, no doubt about it, and we'll, we shall see what Anzac Day holds for them. But the reality is, and this is a reality, it's not a, it's, it's a, it, call it an excuse, call it a reason, call it whatever you like. But at the moment, they have no second key four. They have no second target alongside Peter Wright, who is doing, in my opinion, as much as you could possibly expect from Peter Wright. They're getting... They played two ruckmen. Yes, Phillips got injured yesterday, but they had him last week. They're getting no clear advantage in the ruck, and they are playing, or they went in with two ruckmen. So Sam Draper, whilst he looks imposing, and he looks great, and he's got the long hair, he's not really giving them what they need in the centre. They're getting ineffective ball use from the guys who are getting a lot of the footy. Jake Kelly had 26. Zerk Thatcher had 20. That wouldn't be in the game plan. They're, They're undersized down back. Their system looks different at different parts of the ground. Their best player is injured, Zach Merritt. Their second best player slash match winner is injured, Jake Stringer. And they've lost about 100. I can mount the case they've lost 130 goals or they've got 130 goals worth of forwards not out there. Yeah, so Jake Stringer kicked 41 last year. Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody kicked 34. Kyle Hooker kicked 33. They were their top three. Then it was Peter Wright with 29 who he's playing. And then Harrison Jones kicked 20. Last year. So and they would have four out of your top five goal kickers aren't playing. And so they move Hooker on, which I thought was strange, but there are more than more reasons to a, a game of footy than just goal kicking. So you take out Hooker's one and a half to two a game. They probably anticipate Harry Jones going from, um, what did you say, kick 20 last year, Harry Jones? 
Pick 20, yep. So they probably expect him to go from 20 to 30 plus. Anything north of 30 would be a great result. He hasn't played. So, you know, not only do they miss his 20, they miss the extras that they thought he was going to get with natural improvement as well. They haven't had Cox, who's probably going to be a, a goal-kicking wingman as well. So it's, it's concerning, mm. it's worrying. But when Ben Rutten took over, he did say that, in his view, now I am paraphrasing, but he did say it was almost a clean slate. He wanted to really change a lot of the habits, yep. the culture. He spoke about all the things that that come with a club starting from scratch in a, in, in a way. And that's, that's kind of what we're seeing. We're seeing a team who's not quite sure of their system, not quite sure in terms of their personnel. They haven't got key pillars in key positions. They're losing guys that they need. So yesterday was... An, an ugly performance. And a lot yep. of the talk this morning was about, it was the effort. They didn't, you know, it was the effort stuff. Anyone can go out there and give effort. And that was the, the query. I didn't watch the game as closely as other people would have. But there are personnel reasons as to why this is, an, I guess, an underperforming Essendon outfit. I want to I focus in on one particular area in just a minute. But my little theory on the Bombers this year is that they're St Kilda of last year. Right. So in 2020, the Saints surprised a lot of people. With the way that they played, they, they, they snuck up on people. Uh, they were able to surprise a few teams, and they made finals. They were the number four ranked offensive team in the competition that year. Their defense was ranked number nine, though. 2021, people figured them out. They figured out how they wanted to play, yep. couple that with injury and personnel issues, and they didn't make finals. And we, everyone thought they were going to again. They had a tougher draw. 2021, Essendon surprised a lot. Played a, a style of footy that caught people on the back foot. You yep. know, they, they were brilliant from clearance. They, they scored um, as good as anyone in the competition. Surprise, surprise, they were number four offensively. They were number nine defensively. This year, Essendon have been figured out how they wanted to play. And again, personnel, they've got a lot of players out. We've just gone through all their goal kicking, uh, all their goal kickers who aren't there. People have figured out how they defend or, or don't defend. Uh, they've got the injury issues and they've got the personnel issues uh, as well. So, they're going for a long-term rebuild, and, and that's going to take some time to, to break bad habits. As you said, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not jumping up and down as much as other people because I wasn't sold to begin with. No, neither I, was I, I. I, I. And that's no disrespect. I thought they had a great year last year. was rat for them, was rat for their fans to see them back in finals. Um, but I didn't have them in the eight this year, I don't reckon. I, and, I, didn't, I didn't necessarily um, do a ladder as such, but I, I, was, I was of the same opinion. I mean... To, to, to win a game of AFL footy, I think if you kick 14 goals in a game, you'll win most times. Not all the time, but you win most. How, I just don't know how Essendon can, or people, or us, or fans can expect them to kick 14 goals with the squad that they put out there. And they it's can't. not solely about scoring goals, but if you can't put the score on the board, how can you win the game of footy? And now, Wright has been excellent. I think he's been more than a tick. I think he's been excellent to start yep. the year. Yeah, I'd agree Considering with that. what they got him for... And where he was at when they grabbed him, he's been excellent. He, he gives you if he gives you two and a half, three a game, which is as good as anyone does on average. Like where else can the goals come from? I mean, you get five from Nick Martin on debut, and they still get slaughtered. So, I mean, I, I just I'm just not seeing the firepower, not seeing the the, the the personnel yet required to be a team that is a contending finalist slash winning final slash top four team. I want to talk to you about their midfield. And I saw a great example this morning before I came in of what happens when you're so concerned about all you do offensively and you don't keep 
focused on what your assignment is defensively. I was watching the Brooklyn Nets and the Boston Celtics yes. this morning. Yep. So Kyrie Irving has a, a day out. KD found it a little tougher, but he hit a big three to put them in front yep. with seconds left. Yep. Boston worked the ball down the floor. Both KD and Kyrie caught napping. Jason Tatum sneaks around the back, gets the layup. Time expires. Can't they over. win. They did not commit to their defensive assignment, yet they'd done all the damage offensively for Brooklyn. Brooklyn loses the game. Mm. And it was a great example. So I want to, with that in mind, I want to ask you about their midfield. Yes. Do you see enough defensive effort from a midfield that has two All-Australians from last year at the best of times? Yep. With, with Parrish yep. and Merritt. Um, Dylan Shield came on, on big money uh, to be there as well. They got Jock Caldwell um, from, from GWS. I know there's no Jake String at the moment, who's a big reason why they were one of the best clearance sides last year, but do you see enough defensive effort from the midfield group? Well, let's go. Let, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to suggest I watch them closely enough to be able to make um, to make a really strong call on that. But what I will I say is... I know there was no merit yesterday, by the way, before the text blows What up. I will say is, um, you think of a George Hewitt, a Kane Lambert, those... Those Jack Steele or Rory Sloan when he's up and going, those guys have those Callum Mills. They have the run, the the two way midfielder reputation for a reason. They're not made up those reasons. Um, there's no one at Essendon that has that that reputation. Is there? Is there? Is there anyone that has that reputation? I don't know. I thought that Caldwell might, yeah, grow into being that player. And well, we, let me we haven't this. seen what's, enough. Of so, him. what's the biggest change for you in the Melbourne midfield? which started last year, we saw it, from the previous years? I think they've established roles, yep. for one. So Neil Bullen's very diligent with his um, running, both to, to get back and help. Harms, Viney. To get forward, Harms. Viney, is a, Viney and Oliver are, are defensive midfielders in, this, in the space that when the other team has the ball in the phone box, they'll go and get it off them. Mm. So they won't necessarily run back and take an intercept mark or clog up the D50, but they'll get the ball off the other team. And you've got to wonder whether how much the, the Essendon midfielders harass and chase and fight and scrap to get the ball back, or they just wait for their turn. Because, you know, over the course of 120 minutes, playing in the midfield, you're going to trip over the ball 20, 30 times. So, you know, are they waiting for their turn to get the ball, or are they just saying, oh, when the other team has it, I'm going to get it? Yep. Throw McGrath into that mix as well, who they're trying to redeploy as a midfielder now. Because one of the things that resonates with me about Melbourne's midfield last year, and it's still continuing on this year, was every one of their midfielders, and especially Oliver and Petrarca, were asked a lot about what's been the change in the midfield. Because they used to be moths to a flame, all mm. wanting the ball, yep, all at the same they time. They got it, and then you'd be able to get them out the back, and, and people who structured up well with their midfield were able to beat them easily. People weren't able to do that to them last year, and people asked why, and Chris... Christian Petrarca and Clayton Oliver were very, very quick to point to Simon Goodwin, speaking to them during the preseason and say, I know how great a player you are. Now I want to see how great a teammate you can be. Mm. When it's not your time to go, what are you doing to help your other midfielders? What are you doing on the defensive side of things? And they, that was a, 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 flick, a flick that was switched. A switch that, that was... A switch that was... <laughs> 
But I understand <laughs> exactly what you're saying. It was flicked, and it was a, and it reminded me of the the great Brisbane Lions midfield of their three premierships in a row. They said the same thing that they knew who they were going to get as a, as as who was going to play on them. But every time they'd go out to play, they'd figure out beforehand. It wasn't rocket science. I'd say, whose day is it today? Mm. Who are we creating for? Who are we blocking for? Whose day is it to to work our midfield stuff through? And if it wasn't working, they'd change it up. But they would always be helping out the bloke who they said was going to be the the main guy on that day. Well, it's been the common it's been the common theme among amongst the the past however many grand final winning teams and even grand final competing teams yep. is the selflessness around the ball ahead of the ball who's got the ball bringing teammates into the game who gets back to help out the back That's six. right. And that's why I've I've always been a, a big fan of players, you know, you look at a Tom Hawkins, you look at um forwards who are really selfless and Eddie Betts across his career. It's great, Sam, if you kick a goal because you feel great about yourself and, and, and you've helped the team. But if you pass it to me and I kick a goal, I feel great as well and you feel great because you've helped me. We both feel great. So two of us feel good. Two of us feel like we're impacting the game versus you just kicking it for yourself. And if it's your time to kick it, go and kick it. Mm. But if there's an opportunity to make your teammate better, then that helps him. It helps you and it helps the team. And that's what we've seen with teams who have won premierships in the past few years. Now, Essendon have got a long way to go, but maybe, and it's hard for us to know for sure, but maybe, because when things aren't going well, we, you know, we, 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 we pick it to pieces, but maybe they haven't got, quite got that connection. And Ben Rutten's in a great spot to be able to identify that because Absolutely. he saw it at Richmond. It's just his second year. Mm. No, I don't count the Warsfold year. John Warsfold right. was still senior coach. Last year was Ben Rutten's first. He, they got into the finals. This year, they're, having, they're being tested. They're being tested with yes, personnel. But... They're being tested by game plan. It doesn't just happen with a snap of the fingers. And just because you make finals one year and then you don't the next, I don't believe, and you tell me, does that mean that you're actually going backwards in your development? If you've taken a, we're starting from scratch, we're going to build this from the ground up again, does it necessarily mean, and some people might go, how dumb a comment is that if you don't make finals uh, the year after you've made finals and you have gone backwards, but does it necessarily mean in a long-term plan mm. that you're not on course? No, it doesn't. I mean, every plan hits speed humps and bumps and hurdles and, you know, you, you deviate. And, and that's what, I was trying to make, make the point that, Perhaps there's a deviation because they don't have a second key forward. They don't have their best player. They don't have their second best player slash match winner. You know, they're not getting what they need around the ball. Maybe, maybe this is the deviation. Maybe they will get there. But at the moment, yep. we can only really judge them on what's put out in front of us. Langford's the player I was looking for. Langford is a midfielder that does do, yes, the, do, the, do the hard stuff. Who's Thank not you out to there. who sent that through. Another one who's not out there. Three, five, eight. And he's not out there as well. Um, there's an old saying in golf that it takes 100 things to go right to hit the ball properly mm. and it only takes one thing to go wrong to hit it poorly. Yep. And I, there's, there's, I think there's truth to that in, in footy You take well. out, like, you can reel, reel, roll through any team in the competition, take their best player, their second best player, their second best forward, they might be in some strife. Let's have a listen to Matty Lloyd, uh, one of the greatest ever, to don the sash. And he did not miss this morning when speaking about the Bombers.
I am, Damo. I'm putting a line through them right now. I was there yesterday just as a spectator. Uh, a lot of angry fans. Like, really, really disappointed. There's losing, and then there's, there's losing the way they lost yesterday, which was uh, as poor a loss as you'll see. I thought they were outworked by Fremantle, like, through work rate. I thought they were too tough for them, Fremantle. I thought they were outcoached from a strategy perspective by uh, Justin Longmuir. I thought Essendon had no answers in terms of their inside 50 work. It was Peter Wright. I'd sit it on his head. There was nothing other than that. So Parrish wins a handball. His only thought at the moment is, when can I get my next touch? He's out of, the, he's out of that play. When the ball's in dispute, then when the ball comes back, does he want to work hard to chase? No, he doesn't. That's lazy from Darcy Parrish, and then they're away and they're out. That is symbolic of Essendon's day yesterday, yeah. Damon. And I'm, I'm being really harsh yeah, here you because I, I was there just to watch as a spectator, yeah. and it was a horrible, horrible watch. Did not miss Matty Lloyd, and that's a little bit what we're t- about what we're talking about. Um, you know, everybody wanting to possibly be the man. Whose turn is it to go? Whose turn is it to cover? Whose turn is it to defend? And what do you do, JJ, when it is your turn? And, and a good point being made off the text here as well. Look at how up and down Melbourne were before they got it. So 2018, they make a prelim. Yep. But then spent the next two years... Yeah, nowhere. Nowhere. Yep. And then with pretty much the exact same list, except for Rivers, Pickett, um, Jackson. Jackson, and you'd say Langdon uh, yep. on the wing. Yeah. And then they find themselves premiers. Melbourne so, were... You just replace the, 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 the name Essendon with Melbourne, and this is what we were talking about mm. in those two years. And then, you know, and then they put it together. So I, I am hesitant to, to just, you know, Matthew Lloyd says, I'll put a line through them. It's, it's, it's somewhat foolish to put a line through any team who, who oh, I don't, th- this I don't early in the foolish. season. They've got, I think, about, it's about but, a 3% chance of making I mean, what what's, depends what your line is. your line through, you know, they're making an impact this year? Is it they're making finals? Oh, I think they is can it, make an impact. Um, I, I just think there's enough reasons. They can make there's enough reasons, and some of the reasons I was worried about before the season mm. started, and they've only been compounded by the loss yep. of some, some key personnel. We know that every year, on average, it's just below three teams come out of the eight. And on average, just under one team comes out of the four. Mm. So Port Adelaide looking like the team to come out of the four. Essendon, to me, just look like one of the teams that's coming out of the eight. Very similar to St. It's Kilda, a very, as I said it's a last large, year. Large, to me, it looks like a really large group of teams who are all in the same or similar space. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. If you want to get involved, you can call one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Southern Phone open line. Awesome new SIM only offers from Southern Phone. Our pregame show on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Time to renovate. Choose Beaumont. You'll be happy you did. We'll hear from Dave King, who smashed the Bombers on Fox Footy straight out of the break. On the other side of this, from the MCG, as we gear up to the Big Easter Monday clash, Hawks Cats. Wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Hope you're enjoying your Easter Monday. I've been really bullish on the Bombers over the last couple of years and, and, and off the mark. Okay, So I thought that they've traded out first-round picks, they've narrowed the focus to give this, this group, and I know today's a young team and there's a fair bit of inexperience in there today, but when you've got inexperience, you fall back on your senior players and you fall back on your system. They are the nicest team in the AFL. Every team in the competition would love to play against the Bombers every week. Mm. They allow you so many luxuries. You can move the ball as easy as you like. They are uncompetitive at clearances and they are uncompetitive at contested possession. It's embarrassing what this club are putting out there at the moment. This is a proud football club that want for nothing. And I, I can't believe where they're at right now. I really can't. If you look at their, their numbers by comparison to any other team in the AFL, they're either last in terms of moving the ball or defending without the football, without possession of the football, mm. whether it be clearance, whether it be post, whether it be contested ball. Look, look at those numbers there. 18th without the ball. 
And that includes the Kangaroos who are going awful, Port who are going awful, the West Coast Eagles who are playing waffle players for the last month of football. At clearance, that's where they're supposed to make, make hay. I know there's no stringer. I know there's no merit. But there's players out of every team. Fife didn't play for Fremantle today. He's a significant talent if he played in that midfield today. Post-clearance contest is as much to do with structure as it is guys being able to win their own ball. So I look to Ben Rutland and I say, what are you doing with this group? You've been there long enough now. You've had enough training hours to get better returns than that. So is this, is this a club without standards? Is it a club that accepts what the opposition brings and say, not our day today? Too hard, not our day. They've won six quarters of football for the year. Six quarters. They've won one quarter in the second half of games. One of ten. Mm. Like, they're just numbers that shouldn't be associated with this group. The scores they've conceded, 138 points, 97, 99, 99, 107. They're, they're big numbers. Mm. So I, I think you're, if you're an Essendon fan sitting at home tonight, you're entitled to say, what's going on with my football club? David Blimey. King did not miss the long run. It's a long bit of audio, but you had to hear it in its entirety. The nicest team in the AFL, a team that other teams can't wait to play. They make it so easy for you. Where are their standards? And only having won six quarters for the year. Welcome back to the MCG. Sam Hargraves, Josh Jenkins with you. We're talking about the Bombers and Frio. Uh, Frio just uh, brutalised the Bombers yesterday. They kicked 10 unanswered goals. I think Melbourne were able to do that the other night. Um, it doesn't happen very often in footy. 10 unanswered and they were able to do that uh, against a flimsy Bombers defence. If you were currently playing JJ and you started your career at the Bombers and you heard someone talk about your footy club like that and you're a player, how would that sit with you? Well, when you when you play poorly you go to ground. <laughs> you, you find a way not to hear those sorts of things but I mean... I mean, we're, we're not, we don't need to be, um, you know, the, the players aren't fools. They understand that it's their turn, their turn to cop it and there'll be reasons why they, they, they cop it. Um, it's it's something that only they can change, isn't it? We, you know, it doesn't matter what we say. We can stand on whichever high horse we want to. We can't change it for them. It just needs to be something that, that those within the club need to change and mm. there needs to be strong leadership. I know Dyson Epple come out and spoke either this morning or last night, and whenever the captain comes out and speaks after a loss, you know it's been a bad loss. But um, they, 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 need to, they need to go about changing it from within. There's no one externally that should be able to motivate them. You need to be able to, the great players and teams, motivate themselves. They don't need David King or Matthew Lloyd to, to be able to bring them up. Couple off the text before we hear from Dyson Heppel after the loss to Fremantle from the players' perspective. Very flat Essendon supporter here. I've been to every game so far this year, and apart from maybe a half a game against Melbourne, our effort and intensity just hasn't been there. I know injuries can play a factor, but surely the boys you put out there every week must have a crack. I, I haven't seen anything. I have, I have not seen anything but that. And it's so disappointing to see your team going backwards. JJ, stop making excuses. Look at the players we had out. Frio stomped them in the second half. How about Frio absolutely smashed them and we were the better team on the Indeed. day? I think we said that. Yeah, we did say that. Away. We said, And we did say that that gets lost sometimes in the wash. When a team plays as badly as Essendon did, you sometimes lose perspective on just how well Fremantle played. The, the, uh, the, the players out thing, if it, call it whatever you want. You can call it an excuse. But it's as real as it gets. It's a you contributing lose, factor a large, to, 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 to certain elements. Would largely you say that? contributing factor when you don't have your, three of your best six players. Uh, forget about personnel excuses. They didn't run, and there is no excuse for that. 
Uh, it's effort and aggression is what Essendon are missing from last year. We are a shell of a team. That's from Chris. Uh, I think Essendon don't have enough players with the will to turn things around when things aren't going their way. They lack a person like a Selwood or a Neil who can drag their teammates along with them. That's from Nathan in Corio. Uh, Bombers haven't had a game plan or a star player for 20 years. Let's just keep on doing the same thing. Uh, Dodoro's a dud recruiter, yet still has a job. We're on par with North, going nowhere. Danaher hated Essendon so much he didn't want to play for two years and basically forced Essendon to let him go. The spotlight still isn't on our club. We are incapable of making anyone at our club perform. Saad came and left before they even had time to put his name on a locker. Our club is obviously poisonous. That's from Adam in Montrose, who's a shattered Essendon fan. That's... um, that's very strong uh, from Adam in Montrose. Let's hear from Dyson Heppel after the loss to Frio. It's, um, Dyson. Extremely disappointing. Um, yeah, we're hurting as a group, absolutely. And um, you know, I thought we, we played the way we liked for that first half. We had plenty of opportunities. We were right in the game. Um, you know, sticking to our real DNA, the way we wanted to you know, show up tonight. And then... Just went so far away from that sort of blue collar, um, in and under, just grinding away type of footy, and um, yeah, it was just a snowballing effect. And went insular and constricted, and uh, just a really flattening, deflating way to finish that second half. And um, you know, I know our members and fans are hurting, and um, we're going to do everything to get our season back on track. And um, you know, I can tell you from the heart we are bloody working behind the scenes we are working extremely hard and we're just not getting the results on game day and um but i know and i have full trust in this group that we'll get back on track for sure dawson heppel um talked about and it's coming through off the text that too many cardboard cutouts uh, off one text but are not enough players who want to work hard or tackle well they lost the disposal count yesterday josh jenkins essendon uh, by 36, it was 398 to 362, yet they lost the tackle count by 12. Yeah, always always a bad sign. When you don't have the footy, you should at least be able to tackle the opposition, and they weren't able to do that. Um, yeah, always a, always a worrying sign. Some of the words that uh, Dyson used there, DNA, blue collar, in and under, um, they, they are, they're great terms, mm. but I think what everyone off the temper text is telling us is, they are not terms that you would associate with the way Essendon are playing at the moment. And that's what they need to get back to. And that's, I'm sure, I know Ben Rutten well. I know Dyson Heppel really well. They will be just trying to get back to basics. I don't like the term bring your mouth guards to training because once you go down that rabbit hole, where do you go from there? But yeah. it might be one of those weeks for them where they where they have to get back to cracking in and, and sharing the ball and, 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 and helping each other and... Um, and, and Ben Rutten might focus on some of the real, real fundamental basics that you get taught when you're a youngster to try and right a few of the wrongs because whenever you don't have the ball, you should be able to tackle. And to lose the, the, the disposal count by so many and then to lose the tackle count, not by two or three, but by a dozen, um, is pretty poor reading. I'd love to ask successful coaches over the last sort of 10 to 20 years, whether it be Clarkson, uh, whether it be Damien Hardwick, um, and even ones who might have only got the one premiership uh, in amongst that time, which is still phenomenal, you know, to ask Adam Simpson, to, to ask Simon Goodwin, when did you know that you had complete buy-in to what you were trying to do? When did you know that every single player that ran out there was very much of the we and not the I mindset? When did everybody, when was everybody on board 
with what you were trying to do and were able to execute it for four quarters, week in, week out? Well, do you, Very do, hard to do. Do you need to... Do you need, I, I don't know the answer to this question, and I don't know if there is an answer to the question, but do you need to um, see it first to believe it or believe it first? Believe in it first. Oh, chicken or the egg. That's because that's very. So that's that's what I'm saying with deep. Melbourne and the teams you're talking about who who have won premierships, like, and they probably wouldn't answer it because it's a bit of a state secret. But did, did, you know, did Melbourne believe it before they actually saw it and and felt it and did it, mm. or did they go and do it and then gain the belief from that? Because I think that's a that's that's something that Essendon will be a little unsure of. Like, are we actually good enough? So they don't necessarily perhaps believe that they're quite there yet and they don't have the evidence to suggest that they are either. Mm. Sometimes they do, but not often. The other thing is, and it's an exercise I'm sure you'd be keen to do, more so than I. <laughs> if you want to line up Essendon's best six or eight against yeah. the good teams, I reckon that's worth doing and have a look at it. I'd be pretty stark. Essendon's best six or eight players from any position over the ground and then line them up against Melbourne's and Brisbane's and whoever else. You don't think they stack up? No, they don't. Have a, they, they, they wouldn't. Go and, uh, go and do the exercise. I know you haven't got much on this afternoon, so go, on, go and do a, that. You have a game of basketball to call tonight. Well, between now and then, the game the starts at 7.30. Sure. You've got plenty of time. <laughs> um, go and do that. Or even if you're an Essendon fan who's upset, go, on, go and have a, put, write yep. down the six best Essendon players who are of, not even – you can include the injured guys – and, and then write down Melbourne's best six, Brisbane's best six, Geelong's best six, Richmond's best six, and just see where it lands. Yeah. Fans, and we're going to talk more about fans and, and, and the, the, how some relationships between fans and clubs turn toxic. And we've seen some examples over the weekend. Chad Corns talking about twice in the interview we did with him yesterday on AFL Nation, the level of abuse that they'd been copying um, from Port Adelaide fans uh, throughout the last couple of weeks. Um, sort of took them all back. He was quite open and honest about that. But fans, and we're seeing this from Essendon fans, they just want, maybe some fans are overestimated where they're at. Because yep. I think you can trace back any successful side that they, they take a big step forward and you do take a step back. Even, you know, Hawthorne won the flag in 08 and then what happened the next couple of years? You do take, you do make progress, JJ, and then you do get brought back down a couple of pegs before you then go chips all in again and reassert yourself and go to another level when you realise that people have found your level. Um, I'd be... But fans may have overestimated where Essendon were at, maybe, but the fans that are talking here, they're talking more about effort. They're, they're, they're telling us that, that they are more concerned about what they're seeing in terms of effort and what you talked about in terms of two-way running. Mm. Things like that. Yeah. The, the non-negotiables. When you say... Little things. Now, effort doesn't mean... Like we, we should sort of describe effort. Effort's yeah, the easy point. term. It is. You're right. Because a lot, and you know, being an ex-player, you don't like, you don't enjoy the uh, the term. You didn't put in enough effort, because that's really slash never true. It's it's the over and above actually, because everyone yep. tries as hard as they can. Yeah. But it's the it's absolute. the absolute you know desperation, and 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 that would be the the criticism. You know, are, are the Essendon fans or the Essendon fans are not seeing their players. Do the absolute desperate things. They're not, you know, not diving for smothers, or they're not making sure the ball goes out of bounds, and their mids aren't desperate to get the ball back off the opposition mids because they know that eventually they'll get their turn as well. 
Uh, and, and someone's saying that they didn't believe Essendon deserved to play finals last year. They got a soft draw. They got lucky. Yeah, they did need less wins last year than you tend to need. If you want to know, I think, as a, as a fan, and I, I didn't get to play the game at the highest level like you, um, very far from it, but um, I, I get to commentate the game every week and I watch every game and, and I think you can easily sum up what you're talking about by going and having a look at Melbourne in the last quarter the other night against the Giants. Have a look at Tom Sparrow when they're 61 points up. Yep. Desperately lunge and dive and put his body on the line to slap a ball to advantage for Bailey Fritch to kick a, a goal in the goal square off the back of. And then watch the Melbourne fans, watch the Melbourne players respond to how that... Now, they didn't do a soccer job where you do the tap-in on the goal line and then take off to the crowd and look at me, look at me, you know, like a, an absolute flog. Fritch turned straight around and got to Sparrow. Yeah. Everybody got to Sparrow. Yeah, that, and, that, that's, and that's what it looks like. kind of speaks to... The question I was posing 61 about, points up. Yeah, they're feeding off of that. They're, that's a frenzy for them. That, that, that's when they know, you know, didn't play in a premiership but played in a couple of teams or a couple of seasons where we're really good. You fed yeah. off the fact that you would dominate and you would make things easy for your teammates and those sorts of things. So that's the challenge for anyone who wants to get into the position that Melbourne are in. As we go to the break, on that topic, this is Charlie Spargo on AFL Nation post-game after the D's win against the Giants, talking about the selfless dynamic of the Demons team. When we come back, we'll talk about Carlton and Port Adelaide, that absolute thriller that played out and how it played out at the MCG yesterday on AFL Nation. Get the latest Puma footy boots in store at Sports Power now. This is AFL Nation for Sports Power from the MCG. And it's something, you know, that, that hasn't just happened. It's, uh, it's been really... You know, ever since I got to the club, what, four and a half years ago, um, it's something that's been built organically and you can't really force it and you've really got to flesh it out over a number of years, I think. So um, it's got to the point where, you know, we're all genuinely happy to see each other do well um, and the group's really good, particularly Goody uh, drives it at, at honouring, uh, you know, the little things, the unrecognised things that, that don't get mentioned and, and it drives people to keep doing them. So, um, yeah, it's something we place a, a really big emphasis on is, um, you know, celebrating the work and, and spirit and you know like it goes a long way it makes others want to join in and and do those sorts of things and you know just your spirit and presence on the ground can you know be somewhat intimidating and and a bit of a presence um you know to the opposition so um yeah we, we place a, a massive importance on that and it's not just placing importance on it we really do care about each other You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. For all your tiling needs, in stock now. Uh, at the MCG, counting down to the Hawks and the Cats, a traditional Easter Monday clash. Hope you're enjoying your Monday and your Easter Monday. Sam Hargraves, Josh Jenkins with you. JJ, just off the text... Uh, someone just taking umbrage to when I said that when soccer players do that tap-in goal from point-blank range after everyone else has done all the hard work, the needle's mm. been threaded by the midfield and they just get to put the cherry on top and they take off like they've just beaten the world to the corner yes, yep. and don't celebrate with their teammates. I did call that particular act and those who executed uh, a flog and then I've just had this soccer players are not flags. I think that was flogs. Cheers, John. Are all radio host dirtbags? I'll let mm. you answer that. Well, I don't know. I'm not a radio host. I'm just a, um, I'm just a wingman. I'm just a wingman, so you can say yes because that doesn't label me as a dirt bag. <laughs> I don't know what I am, but um, I let's be. We can all be friends. So I don't think that all soccer players are, but when they do that, that element, oh, yeah, that yeah. that is a floggish element. There's that elements of all sports that yeah, exactly. Uh, when floggish. when everybody else has done the hard work that you get to cap off and you go celebrate by yourself and and make it all about you, that that in essence is. A, a little floggish, yeah, yeah. So, uh, John, I, I appreciate your text, and I meant no offence, but that's the context around it. But thank you for, for getting involved with us. Um, 
Mark from Mentone wants to have a quick yarn. G'day, Mark. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are we going? Well, How are you, Mark? You. Yeah, good. Look, um, what a great season. It's good to see Carlton and Frio and, and St Kilda up there having a crack. Um, but my gripe with the season so far is um, um, take nothing away from Adelaide. I thought it was a great effort. They, 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 they cracked in and um, gave Richmond yes. a real touch-up. But one thing I want to say is I can't stand the inconsistencies in the umpiring. Well, Richmond, uh, this run of Richmond supporter here, but even when back in like 18 and 19 when Richmond were winning 20 games a season, we were still on the bottom of the differential uh, free kicks for free kicks a game ladder. Um, we're already uh, in season 2022, we're already... Um, I think it's 48 or 50 free kicks to the negative and the fours and fours and against. Um, how do you guys see that? I mean, there was 20 different, there were 20 free kicks less than Adelaide, and there was a couple of really serious different ones that I saw on um, Saturday night. Why do we not get a fair go? Or am I just saying something that's not there? Um, good luck with your flight out of Essendon Airport, too. <laughs> Sounds like you've got a bit happening, but. The 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 reason or a, an analogy or reason, sorry, that I could probably provide in terms of Richmond's game style plays a part. So Richmond are a keep the ball in at all costs team, um, which means less stoppages. A lot of free kicks happen at stoppage. So mids are holding each other, rucks are holding, high tackles, you know, holding without it, jostling around the footy. So a lot of the free kicks are around the ball. The immediate stoppage. Richmond are a low-stoppage team because they kept the ball in play. So, therefore, there aren't as many opportunities for free kicks to be awarded. Mm. That's That would be my guess or my assumption as to why they're a little bit lower. Because even when they were winning premierships, they were a low free kick team. Yeah. It, it, it's it's game-style dependent. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And I, as a neutral observer, when I watched that game, Adelaide-Richmond, it was a great game. And there were a couple where I thought they've been... Hard done by there, but did I think that it, caused, it that it had a massive impact on the outcome of the game? No, I didn't. Do I think it ever does? No, not really. Do I think that the umpiring is that inconsistent that it's a major issue? No, I don't. I think the standard umpiring is actually really, really good. I think the game makes it incredibly hard for them to do their job. I think they've got a lot of factors involved in that. But I always come back to the fact that we, we, we are happy the fact that most most teams in the competition or Half the teams in the competition have a goal-kicking accuracy of 50%, and we accept that. Uh, we accept that a good field kick is 75%, mm. yet we want the umpires to be 100% right all the time. On one hand, we've got people that are full-time professionals playing the game, and we allow them to kick a goal at 50%. That's fine, and 75% field-kicking accuracy is deemed elite, yet the umpires who are part-time, who do this of a weekend and give up their time outside actual full-time jobs and families, yep. we expect them to be perfect. I just, I don't understand that. I think it's a contradiction that we allow a certain standard for the full-time professionals and then yet we expect a higher standard for the casuals. Mm. No, I, I, that's a good point. It's a very good point that you make. Um, I, I thought, I thought Richmond were a little bit hard done by, uh, Yesterday was it yesterday? No, it was two days ago. Two days ago. So yeah, there was definitely some that they didn't get that they should have, and some that were paid against them that shouldn't have been. Yes, but the numbers are never a true reflection of what happens. Someone's always going to be on the bottom of a stats table. Yeah, the numbers are never never a true reflection of what happens because game style comes into it, um, and 
you need to go back and look through whether they were correct or incorrect decisions and also the ones that were missed. So there was some in that 33 to 13 that were missed as well. So you need to go back through it, which I'm not going to do. We've got to talk Carlton and Port Adelaide. That was phenomenal what unfolded here yesterday. Carlton 50 points up late in the second. Just a three-point win in the end. That's all next on AFL Nation for Sports Power. Get the latest Puma footy boots in store at Sports Power now. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. For all your tiling needs, in stock now. Uh, thank you for sticking with us or joining us with you, whichever category you fit into. It's wonderful to have you on board. Another hour of uh, myself, Sam Hargraves, Josh Jenkins at the MCG. We'll hand over to Dwayne and Hutto and Nathan Jones at 2pm and they will drill down into this massive Easter Monday clash between the Hawks and the Cats at the MCG. A ton of text coming through, 0433-981116. You can call as well, 1300-736-736. We just had a caller, uh, uh, Mike in Mentone, I think it was, who was uh, upset said about the inconsistencies in free kicks for the Tigers. We've got a lot of people pointing out that, um, even Tigers fans pointing out that not only is it the way Tigers play, but also admitting that they are quite an undisciplined team at times, which has crept in over the years. That's coming through from Tiger fans and non-Tiger fans alike. I I pointed out the fact that it's uh, a little bit contradictory to accept that the players are not perfect, whether it be 50% goal kicking accuracy or 75% is deemed to be an elite field kick, yet we want perfection from umpires. And off the text, FFS, you make it sound like umpires are volunteers. Uh, They're paid around 100k a year. And what choice do I have when a player misses a goal other than to accept it? Yet, but they are still casual employees. They do not dedicate their whole working life to being umpires. And you can't tell me that dedicating your whole working life to something doesn't make you better. Just look at the Australian women's cricketers when they made them full-time professional. Look how good they got. And your point there off the text, what choice do I have when a player misses a goal other than to accept it? I agree with you. That seems that you're an emotionally intelligent person. So why not apply that exact same reasoning to when an umpire gets a decision wrong, in your view? I agree. Just accept them both. I agree. Yeah, I agree. You never uh, never saw me whinging about umpiring decisions when I played. I'm very proud of that fact. You might have found it once, but <laughs> I uh, understand that. You know someone's going to spend a day yeah, now just trawling through YouTube trying to find well, good Josh luck Jenkins' remonstration. I mean, honestly, you've got to have something better to do than that. But I I, I just understand the human element of it. Like, yeah. and, and the other thing is, like, from a player's point of view, now the fans don't have to worry about this. From a player's point of view, like, what... If I if I spend my time screaming at an umpire, what chances what, what chances there I'm going to get the fifty fifty call next time? Like, it's human nature, is it not? I do something kind to you, you're more likely to to. to <laughs> but if it's 50, you're, you're 50, doing the old go and shake the umpire's hand after the game to see if you can get the three votes. <laughs> uh, you cannot tell me if I spend my afternoon absolutely making Ray Chamberlain's life hell that if there's a fifty fifty inside fifty late in the game. This subconsciousness, yeah, this never be subconscious decision. No, of course not. Of course not. But the human element suggests that if you be a a prick, then people will be that back to you. Yeah, if you're a nasty pasty. Exactly right. <laughs> so be kind. Uh, Don't whinge. Exact, exactly. Be kind. Uh, we can, Don't worry wonderful about the life lessons. Don't worry about other wonderful things. Wonderful life other things lessons that JJ's dishing out on an Easter Monday. Uh, Harry's in Camberwell who wants to chat about the Bombers before we get on to the Blues and Port Adelaide. Yeah, hey guys. Uh, I was at the game yesterday and, and completely agree with um, yeah, pretty much everything that's been said, Kingy and Lloydie, and, and, but also with you guys in terms of um, 
what you said about how uh, things, you know, we weren't saying that too long ago about Melbourne as well and how things, things, things can take a bit of time to change. But um, I just wanted to get your thoughts on a bit of an abstract one. Um, I know that our game, sort of, like our game style is sort of in that center clear, scoring from center clearance. It looks good when it, when it does come off. But, you know, as you said, our defensive structures and, um, haven't really been a, a forefront of our game for the last four or five years. Um, as a big club, do you think... Um, do you think they focus a bit too much on on the sort of the scoring element or the trying to make an attractive style of gameplay? Do you think that creeps in at all to the football department in terms of trying to play a quote unquote attractive game? I mean, as a supporter, I think um, you know we uh, we just want the win. You know, I don't think how how they go about it. So I think um, I'd just be curious to get your thoughts on that. On that, um, I don't I don't think knowing Ben Rutten and where he's come from and what he's seen and. The success that, that, that Richmond had when he was in charge of the defensive setups and schemes, I certainly don't think that he would be um, of that ilk. He might be have, have some strong um, assistant coaches who really want to emphasize scoring and, and offensive ball movement, but I think he would be definitely wedded towards um, the defensive elements of the game and trying to build a defensive structure. But that takes time, and they haven't yet mastered that aspect of the game. You've also got to... Like, young players, young talented players aren't taught to defend when they come up through the ranks. It takes time to actually instill that into young players and teach them how to defend as an individual, but also how to collectively defend. And when you are in team defence, it only takes one, sometimes two guys to break down, and the other, the good teams are through it. Um, that's... Who, who, was it Jake? Who did we hear from before the break? The Melbourne player. Slip my name. Slip. Uh, Charlie Spargo. Charlie Spargo. So he spoke about, we've been doing this since I got to the club for four years. Well, for, for two of those years, Melbourne were rubbish. Mm. So, But they were still, and we've got to take him at face value, we're building those habits. So maybe Essendon are building those habits now. We're not yet seeing the rewards of that hard work. And in a year or two years, we'll see it. But right do, now, we're not. Thanks for the call, Harry. Really appreciate it. We do understand from fans' point of view as well that when it's been so long since you've won a final, it's hard to differentiate one rebuild for the next. Um, but I, I, I think I'm a firm believer that when a new coach comes in, it's, it's a, it is a wipe the slate clean and you start from scratch because that coach well, then has to build to be. their plan. Yeah, it has to um, be. Uh, I'll tell, tell you what it should do, Sam, is, is mate, if, you're a, if you're a fan of a team who is high-performing, be very grateful. Don't yes. take it for granted yes. because you're hearing the pain. That's why I don't get too upset when Hawthorne lose at this stage. I've fans. had my fun. I've had a great run and I'm very grateful for it. Hey, let's talk about what unfolded here yesterday. Carlton were 50 points up late in the second quarter. Uh, they went in at halftime 12-6 to 4-5. Uh, they were all over Port Adelaide. Uh, they were dominating them in every sense of the word and in every facet uh, of the game. 49-point margin at halftime. It was 12-6 to 4-5 at the main break. And in the second half, Port Adelaide kicked 9-8 to Carlton's 2-4. They kept Carlton to just two goals in the second half. They got them so they just roared back into contention, came from nowhere. Uh, they finally went down by three points. Kerno got five, Mackay got three, eight goals between them. There's 26 goals between those two for the year. Martin got a couple, Fisher did well, uh, did two, uh, and Gray got three, Georgiades got a couple, Burton uh, and Pow Pepper both got a couple. Burton was phenomenal for Port Adelaide, Pow Pepper was as well uh, for the power. 
What did you make of that game yesterday? I, I called it. We couldn't believe the difference in Port Adelaide and Carlton after half time. Carlton were supreme in the first half, and then Port Adelaide were just desperate uh, and, and so gallant in the second. Port, Port were exactly that. Port were desperate. Um, spoke to um, you and I, and Nat Edwards spoke to Jake Corns mm. before the game, and he just said, like, we just, just give us a win. Just. He said the word desperate a couple of times. He just said, you know, we just need to get a win. So, you know, they were as desperate as desperate can be yesterday. And when they were down big, you know, they would have, well, they definitely would have spoken about throwing caution to the wind. They wouldn't have said, let's continue to play a, a, a slow, methodical game style. Let's throw caution to the wind. The thing with Carlton is they've moved from, <laughs> we had a young, young man, Oscar, ring up SEM Breakfast this morning. He's a 10-year-old. And he was saying, you know, we used to be the team who would be making the comeback but fall short. And I would enjoy that. And now we're the team who are getting in front, giving up the lead but hanging on. Or say so you've gone from the uh, week after week after week honourable loss mm. to, to the ugly win. Take the ugly win, yes. move along, and progress <laughs> one week closer to the finals. Yeah. Like Carlton fans, it's not an easy competition. You cannot be seduced into thinking that you're just going to roll along and beat yep. teams by 40 or 50 every week. Just take the win. Port are capable, like most teams. They had their moments. In the end, you get the four points. They don't. Take it. You're 4-1. Be happy. An ugly win always trumps an honourable loss. Always. Absolutely. And, it, and I don't... There's a part of me that doesn't think it's any great surprise that it's against lower teams perceptually. Yes. In Hawthorne and Port Adelaide that these lapses have come. Yeah. I've got a little theory on Carlton. Right. Here we go. I've got a little theory. Right. And, and, and just indulge me here for We're a moment. We're not going back to the 1940s, are no, we? No, no. You get in trouble. A couple of people started taking uh, JC's name in vain on this day of his <laughs> resurrection when I went back with some stats from the 40s. So I won't be doing that again because it's bringing out the worst in a couple uh, off the text. Carlton just seemed to me a little bit like that person in a relationship that gets comfortable too early. Right. So you know in a relationship where you, when you start out, it's all very exciting. Uh, you really like the person. You can see that this has got so much potential. Yep, yep. So in the early days, you're constantly going the extra mile. You're doing all the extra little things. You're being attentive and you're listening and you're yes. showing your caring side. Affectionate. Affectionate, all yeah. those things. Yep. And, um, oh, you initiate a lot of the things that you do. You make a lot of effort. There's regular flowers and nice yep. dinners and you dress up. You maintain yourself pretty well. You keep the hair nicely done and uh, and you keep yourself well manicured and yep. you're in decent like shape. Yep. Your house is clean when they come over. Yes. The sheets are clean. Yeah. Uh, when they come over uh, as well. And you do this for a fairly substantial amount of time, and then the relationship can get a little comfy right. from both sides. Yes. Both parties can be guilty yes. of this. But the trick is you can't go to that place too soon. Otherwise, the whole thing can break down. If you go too early to a state of comfort, if you don't keep Any examples? the flowers like up... Well, if you, you just stop doing the little things, like you stop going the extra mile. in public. Exactly. <laughs> you, you, yeah, if you've gone too early on the, uh, the passing wind, the in passing front wind in yeah. front of. Yeah, I'm catching injury. That's gonna do you some harm. If the sheets aren't clean when they pop around yeah. the house, if you if you go from nice meals in, in dressed up nicely to Uber Eats in tracky dacks and footy shorts, you trade the shirt for footy shorts. All these little things they make a difference. Mm to the relationship, especially early on when you're trying to establish what the relationship is. You've got to keep going the extra mile and do the little extras. And when you get comfy, have you noticed too that the relationship isn't as much fun? You don't get to have as much fun when you're not making as much effort. 
This is my point about Carlton. I think they're too quick to get comfy. Do you? In these games, they've gone. They've been a little bit quick to be comfortable, to feel like the job was done, to feel like it was established, and to feel like they were safe. You've got to keep doing those little things because when you don't, you don't get to have as much fun. Fun for Carlton is seeing Mackay and Kerno in full flight, and yep. they were in the first half yes. yesterday. They were phenomenal. Eight goals between them, 26 between them for the year. They're going at over five between them. That's, that's fun. That's exciting. When you weren't doing all those little extra things, they kicked two goals in the half. That's not fun. Remember, go the extra mile in the relationship, you get to have a lot more fun. If you don't, then it's not as much fun and you get comfy and it starts to unravel very quickly. All right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, I, I, is, there any, is there any truth in that, 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 that if you take the foot off the pedal too soon... You, you get overtaken. Maybe. Yeah, no doubt. Oh, if you do, yes. Yeah. Whether they are or not, I'm not as sold on that fact. I, I, I would... Against Hawthorne, they did it against Port. There's a lot that's going right yeah, for that's, Carlton. That's, that's, you've got to, old habits can creep in But you've got to remember, uh, you've got to give... That's not giving Hawthorne any credit for their comeback. That's not giving um, any credit to uh, Port Adelaide, for who are desperate, absolutely desperate, mm. to, 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 to get their first win on the board. So... Again, fifty I, points you, up is fifty points but up. But you you can't expect to go from fifty to seventy to nine. It's just it's just, the game's not that easy. Uh, and Port I Adelaide, wouldn't expect it to go from fifty to three though. No, no, that's and that's fair enough, and that's valid, no doubt about it. And they'll have to have a look at some things like do they, you know, is there a number that we get to if we get to if we get to thirty points up? Is there a is there a is there a middle gear in terms of how we use the ball? Do we want to not go as fast into the forward line to yes, it's um, high reward, but it's high risk. So. You know, maybe they're still developing those phases of the game. I think mm. the important thing for me is they are good enough to get yep. themselves into those positions. Oh, and that's what I would be focused on. And look, they might have one of those fade-outs where they lose a game and everyone will jump up and down, but they are still... There was, there, was, there was more than enough opportunity for Port to steal that game. There was more than enough opportunity for Hawthorne to beat them. They steadied. They got enough leadership from, from those who were in those positions and they won the game. So... Um, I understand what you're saying, but um, I'm still very, very, very bullish on the navies. As we go to the break, to your point, this is what Michael Voss had to say. When we come back, John on the road, we'll get to you. The AFL Nation pregame show is for Beaumont Tiles. Time to renovate. Choose Beaumont's. You'll be happy you did. There was some unsavoury stuff that happened in the crowd with Tom Rockliffe that he has put on his social media. I want to talk to you about that. Uh, and also, too, about the level of abuse that we've heard that, that Port Adelaide are copying from their very own fans. one uh, 736 736 The AFL Nation for Sports Power. Get the latest Sports Puma. Get the latest Puma footy boots in store at Sports Power. Now, this is Michael Voss as we go to the break. Yeah, despite us putting ourselves in that position, um, you, you cannot fault the fortitude of this group to just be able to get it done at the end. Um, the last five or six minutes of that game was extremely intense, and if we lost some intensity around the ball, um, we we somehow found it in that last five or six minutes. So it's probably fair to say that we're in that position right now on how to learn how to win and win properly, and uh, we're still in that stage. So. Again, while we're banking these these four points, um, you know we keep ourselves in a really good position, and um, and we'll keep going to work on ourselves and and how we get ourselves better. Uh, welcome back to AFL Nation from the MCG. 
Two hours till the bounce between Hawthorne and Geelong. Uh, that record currently sits at two wins Hawthorne, ten wins Geelong in the Easter Monday clash. It'll be Hutto, it'll be the pipe, it'll be Nathan Jones to take you through that one from two o'clock. Some Hargraves, Josh Jenkins here for Sports Power. Get the latest Puma footy boots in store at Sports Power. Now, JJ, before we talk about uh, a couple of things uh, of the more unsavoury nature, uh, John's on the road who wants to have a yarn. G'day, John. G'day, Sammy. Um... Look, Sammy, when it comes to the umpiring, I really couldn't disagree with you more. And if I may give you a couple of examples. Sure. I watched the Collingwood-Adelaide game this year, and in my opinion, uh, Adelaide were just destroyed by the umpires. Collingwood were very lucky that day. They were probably the better side, but crucial decisions went against them. But on the flip side, Richmond-Adelaide, Adelaide got the rub of the green um, because I feel that the sound of affirmation has never been louder Let's face it, the home teams always get the 50-50 decision and the big-name players will always get that 50-50 free. Now, if you look at the Geelong uh, footy ground, they're a two-to-three-goal better side there and they've got that, the home ground influence. The Tom Hawkins decision this year, one umpire didn't pick it up, but what about the second and third umpire? Weren't they brought into the game to help the umpire that misses that decision. And the same thing happened last year to the Brisbane player you know, with seconds to go. Because of the home ground influence, the free wasn't paid. So I just don't understand. With one doesn't umpire, the noise yes, of affirmation you can make a decision. Mean, doesn't the noise of affirmation mean, John, that when you think there's a free kick that needs to be paid, that the crowd yells out and that's what gets the umpire involved? There wouldn't have been a noise of affirmation because the free kick wasn't Scared paid. of the noise of affirmation, Sam. And the noise of affirmation, I've seen stats on it and, it, and, and there is some evidence to say that it potentially exists, but it's negligible. Um, at, it's not a massive amount, John. But with all that aside, John, I'd love you to tell me, what's the solution for you? What, 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 what fixes it? If it's as bad as you think that it is, what's the solution? Well, I'll ask you a question. There's one umpire that I keep an eye on, and he does a terrific job. And that's umpire number nine. I think is Matt Stevick. Is, is that his name? Matt Stevick, yeah. He's um, a very experienced yeah. umpire. Yeah. yeah, he seems to, nine times out of ten, seems to get it right. Get it right. But I genuinely feel, and, and JJ's there, you cannot tell me. Yes. The sound of affirmation is also the other way. If the umpire gets a decision wrong, the crowd will just start booing. So it has the, 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 the same effect. So I just feel that, these umpires are getting intimidated by the home crowds and the big-name players. So if that's true, though, John, and, and I'm not trying to dismiss you, uh, it's an interesting point you raise. If that's true, tell me what the solution is. I don't know. Maybe they need to wear earmuffs. I just don't know. But it's, it's, uh... <laughs> the, the noise cancellers. Yeah, I think so. But, yeah, look, it's, it's, I just feel for the away sides, and I've watched a lot of footy this year, and we're only at the round yep. five. And, 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 sure. and I'll give you another example. The R2 Bosanovalagi um, play on. Now, Robbo and Jared Waitley picked that up straight away. That kick should have been taken back because the kick wasn't taken from... Uh, the man wasn't on the mark. Now, 99 times out of 10, they bring you back. But because it, I guarantee if that had been at Marvel Stadium, that kick would have been called back. That's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, I, I think we agree that there's mistakes that happen because there's mistakes that happen with every single person in every walk of life and every job that gets done. There are mistakes that happen. I just think that I believe the umpire's mistakes get overplayed and 
and the significance of them gets overstated uh, and then the mistakes that possibly players or coaches might make gets understated. So I, I hear what you're saying, John. I just don't think it's all that bad. And JJ, Human I think nature. He's talking about human nature. He's talking about human, human nature. I told you it's real. Yeah. I don't think any umpire deliberately goes out there to do a bad job. I don't no, think any umpire not. deliberately goes out there to make a bad call. Um, it, it, I'll tell you what, it's a great question for John. The I reckon ring up Jared Waitley next time that Ray Chamberlain's on and just ask him if, he, if they believe that the noise of affirmation exists. Um, I've never umpired at the highest level. I've umpired country footy before, and it's incredibly hard. Um, they do a magnificent job, I think, the majority of the time. But it's an interesting one, John, that I think you should put to Razor Ray when he is on with Jared. He's on every fortnight of a Wednesday, I think, JJ. Yep. It's good listening. It's good listening. But it's, I mean, it's the, it's the unsolvable um, issue if you, want to, if you want it to be an issue. It doesn't have to be an issue. It's, I don't see umpiring as an issue for, for mine. There's... I think there's some communication which could go on from HQ to us, the fans, or we, the fans. Yep. But oh, think... the, the, we were talking to Nat Edwards about it yesterday, weren't we? Where she yes. said they used to do a weekly umpire's rap. Um, I, I think there's a, an idea to, to, to get them, you know, to, to, to hear them less. I want to hear them more. Yeah, I, reckon, I, think, yeah. I love that he knew one umpire's name. I think we should know, and I'm guilty of it when I'm calling, I don't know all the umpire's I names. Played, I, think I, we I played and I didn't know any of them. I don't know any umpires. Let's names. build them up. Let's put um, them front and center. Let's hear from them as often as we can. Let's, yeah. let's make it a. Let's actually pump up this as a profession so that you do have more people wanting to do it at the grassroots level. Let's not hide them, you know, and shame them and dehumanise them. Let's pump these guys up. Yep. Um, agreed. Agreed. Hey, uh, I want to ask you. Um, we don't have a ton of time left. Uh, I just want to ask you about uh, Tom Rockliffe's situation. Yes. Uh, Not I'm a great situation. Trying to get an indication. Do I need to take a? Are we taking a break here, or let me just? Uh, you're 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 in charge, so I'm in charge. Actually, no, you're not in charge. I'm in charge. Uh, okay, I'm not in charge. Uh, I'm being told we should get to a break. Sorry, we just had a little breakdown in communication there. Apologies, that was all a little bit scrambly. Jamie and Darlinghurst, stay right there. I want to talk to you about the Tom Rockliffe situation after this. He's tweeted yesterday as we go to the break, well done to Carlton, great game of footy, but what a way to be let down, Carlton supporters, spitting at me when I'm walking home with my son is not on. Passion is great, but let's remember it's sport. This seems like a very ugly incident that's transpired with Tommy Rockliffe from a Port Adelaide and Brisbane Lions player. We'll go a little bit deeper into it on the other side of this on AFL Nation. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. For all your tiling needs, in stock now. Just under an hour and 50 minutes from the bounce at 2 o'clock. Hutto, Dwayne and Nathan Jones will take over your call team for the Hawks and the Cats, a traditional Easter Monday clash on AFL Nation for Sports Power. Get the latest Puma footy boots in store at Sports Power now. Before we talk about uh, the Tom Rockliffe story that's doing the rounds for Rold, Rold is fast, fresh Vietnamese. Jamie's in Darlinghurst. G'day, Jamie. Hey, afternoon, fellas. How are we doing? Oh, Fine, thanks. well, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Hey, just a, just a quick one, and um, I'm probably uh, um, coming from the point of view of offering solutions rather than just whinging about the umpires. Um, mm-hmm. In a sport that brings in, like, literally billions of dollars of revenue every year, is there a reason why the umpires aren't professional, aren't full-time? Um, and they're having, actually, that debate in the NFL at the moment. I know, Josh, you, um, you find the NFL pretty good, yes. too. They're having that same debate about... Um, 
making professionalising the referees in that sport as well, just purely well, because they had. such a massive, well, I thought they such had a done massive that, business. No, in the NFL, they're still... Um, yeah. the, the best NFL I guess, he worked for JP Morgan as a banker. Like, it's the same situation as it is here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think, you know, like them, the, the game is just too big, isn't it? The business of the game is just too big to have our officials, which are a key part of it, not, not full-time. Well, 100% agree. I think we, I think Jamie, we, um, so I think it's a, it's a fine air. Like the, a lot of the umpires hold really, really good um, jobs. You know, lawyers and solicitors and those types of things. Not all, but a lot do. And I don't think they're willing to give up those types of um, of gigs to to be umpires, particularly when the role. I don't know whether the role's been offered to them full time or whether it hasn't or whether it needs to be. But I know they get paid. I think if they. Yeah, umpire a game every week for the whole season. You make more than enough to live oh, off. You get, you, it's a very good earn. But, but you um, can make it an even bigger earn and make it fully professional. Yeah, and, and I think you make it a lot more attractive too. We talk yeah. about umpire descent and not you know, wanting to eliminate that. But if it's if it's if it's a lot more attractive, if it's a really significant, yeah. um, um, you know, pay packet and and standing and and you know you you're, you're publicly known and that sets up opportunities in other ways as well. Then maybe that is a way to make it. A little bit more attractive Absolutely. to those. Give them their own homes. home base. Give it a program. Give it a full-time profession. And if you lose some of those wonderful servants of the game who have got other more high-paying, high-profile, then so be it. But it's then your job to bring people in to that system, make it a very clear and defined pathway. They'll get a better understanding of the game and itself. In certain situations, we're asking. Um, goal, uh, umpires to be mind readers like insufficient intent um, they can actually they'll, they'll be more aware of the way in which clubs play because they'll spend more time with clubs they'll spend more time on their craft you can't tell me that somebody doing their job full time is going to is, isn't going to get better results Sam, than someone this, doing their job casually but this is and we want perfection from people that we are not employing full time this is a solution to a problem I don't necessarily think is as big as perhaps some say I don't see. Yeah, I'll de- I'll demand perfection or close to it when they're actually full time employees. Well, I don't, I don't until I don't see then, I don't see the gaping hole in their performance, which would warrant them needing to become. No, either the do current I. status is, is either do I. But I think if you want it to be even better than it is, then that's the way to do it. Yeah, well, it probably is. No, well, no doubt it is. But um, I, I think it's quite fine how it is. But certainly, yeah. uh, some fans and usually. It's the fans of the teams who have just lost on the weekend. Uh, disagree. <laughs> Thank you, Jamie, for the call, though. Uh, greatly appreciated. Um, I want to get your thoughts on the Tom Rockliffe situation. So he's tweeted yesterday he was at the footy as a fan at the MCG yesterday in the Southern, in the Shane stand. Uh, he said, well done, Carlton. Great game of footy, but what a way to be let down. Carlton supporters spitting at me when I'm walking home with my son is not on. Passion is great, but let's remember it's sport. So he's with his young son, Tom Rockley, yep. former Port Adelaide player and Brisbane Lions, former Brisbane Lions captain and best and fairest. He's a former All-Australian. He's got involved there. He, he said as well there was some banter during the game, but for, with those people when it finished, uh, that he was spat on when he was leaving with his son. Uh, Michael Voss has reached out to offer an apology. Yeah, it's... How does this sit with you? Well, not great. Shouldn't sit well with anyone. And uh, now, again, a foolish, a foolish way to gauge um, uh, feedback and chatter on on the situation. But I sort of read a few replies and a few return tweets to to Tom's tweet and people saying, "Yeah, but Port Adelaide fans do this." And yeah, I'm not sure that if if, if you want to write one wrong with another, then you completely you're a complete fool. Um, there's never any 
Like, there's no place in any form of society or any place that would warrant spitting. Um, I can't actually fathom what would make someone want to spit on someone else. No, no. Particularly someone in the company of a young child. Now, Tom can probably uh, understand that and and contextualise that for, for, you know, that's just some moron, some idiot who he doesn't have to worry about. But Can his son? Does his son Mm. now... Um, does his son now think about footy and, and 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 couple that with someone spitting at him? Is that what his son will think about every? Now we hope it, hope not. Hopefully Tom was able to you know chat to him and say, look, that's not acceptable. That's not what should happen. That's you know that person was was um, quite stupid. But you know that's 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 the other thing. Like now now his um, son potentially doesn't want to go to the footy because of something like that. People just should be well. Banter is brewing at the footy. Yeah, we love great. that. The, the great, one of the greatest things about living in this country is that you go to a game of sport, no matter what it is, and you sit with the opposition fans. And there's some countries in the world, and one sport in particular, where that just does not happen, which is an incredible shame. But it is one of the beauties of our great game and, and, and living in this country that you sit with the opposition fans and you have a bit of banter and you have a bit of fun and you go back and forth. And if you see a former player, not that you need to treat a player differently to anyone else in society but if you do love the game then you do have and should have a respect for the players that have played it just like players need to have a respect for fans who spend their money on it it's all cyclical it's a symbiotic relationship we all need each other Um, but to cross that line and to go to that point and to be there a young kid involved as well we all have a responsibility to make sure that your experience of the footy is great but you have a responsibility to make sure that while yours is a great one you don't ruin someone else's in the process I think we just see it a little bit more and more these days with those lines starting to be crossed because people yeah. don't have the emotional intelligence. Someone would have seen it. Um, pick them out. Tell the tell the Blues who it was, and and if they remember, then tell them they're not coming back to the footy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, feel for Tom Rockliffe in that situation. Yesterday, Chad Corns was speaking to us on AFL Nation. He's Port Adelaide assistant coach, great of that club. Mentioned it not once but twice in the chat. The level of abuse that. The yes. Port Adelaide players, the club, the coach have all been copying from Port Adelaide fans. Yes. Does that, not, not, not does that surprise you? No, not one bit. I've lived in that town and um, Adelaide, the, the Crows are a much larger force and presence in Adelaide than, than Port are. That's not to say Port's fans aren't equally passionate, but mm. um, I've experienced that and lived that um, probably threefold. It's probably three to one in terms of the Crows versus Port over there. But I understand what Chad's saying. I mean, I I, I said um, I said on I think it might have been on breakfast or it might have even been the run home that that um, my view was that Ken Hinckley had never been fully accepted. Now he may have been accepted by the fans, but they've also been ready to 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 blame him and to flick him and and to want to throw everything at his feet in the coaching staff's feet whenever things go wrong. And I think. Perhaps with Port, there's a large contingent of Magpies fans who are used to, are accustomed to winning, well, they won tw- 25 or 30 premierships in the SANFL. Mm. Maybe following their team, Port, Port Adelaide into the AFL, they thought that's what was going to continue to happen. It hasn't happened. They've gotten close and and it hasn't been able to happen. And they've had a couple of really good opportunities. Maybe that's why they are a little bit more demanding and a little bit more in your face. But Adelaide's a large town. It's got a, you know, it's got a newspaper. It's got Channel Seven News. It's got Channel Nine News. It's got Channel Ten News. It's got SENSA. It's got other radio stations. They're all dedicated to two teams. Yep. They're not talking about this game. But They're talking about the Crows' performance and Port's performance, and that, and that just 
hits you in the face. And when it's good, it's too good. And when it's bad, it's way too bad. So, but in that situation, what I don't understand when it comes, and, and I'm, I've grown up barracking for Hawthorne since I was the age of five, and I've seen a lot of good and I've seen some bad. Like any fan, you go through those moments. But isn't a, a fan club relationship a bit like a best mate relationship? Because you put, it's like a family member. You put so much into it yeah. if you're a passionate fan or member. So you live and breathe it. it it's a big part of your life. It's all-consuming at times. But when a relationship might be a little rocky and maybe you're not getting what you need from the other person that's in the relationship, the other party, it, mm. if, if, if the other party's deliberately going out of their way to let you down, that's one thing. But Port Adelaide's not deliberately going no, out of its way no. to let down the fans. So in those moments, don't you get around your club? Like, yes, you want you ex- if you're going to pay your money, you expect a standard and all that kind of stuff. But the level of abuse that they've been copping was... And players have copped this forever and a day. But for Chad Corns to bring it up twice in an interview, yeah. I've never heard that before in my time covering the game. Don't you want to lean into support mode rather than attack mode? Well, I mean, some some will. But am I an idiot? Or oh, don't answer that. <laughs> yes, I am. But am I naive? Some, well, yeah, probably. Um, some will be of that mindset. But but I think when you, you know, a, a lot of fans, when they put their hard earned in, mm. particularly you know, in, in recent times, it's been harder to find the money to put into your club, but people have still found it regardless. There's, a, there's perhaps an in, a sense of entitlement that, that you need to know more or have more info or find out what's going on, good, yeah. bad, or indifferent with your club. And in Adelaide, I think more so than anywhere, maybe Perth, but partic- I think most yeah. – Adelaide is – you're very accessible as a player or a coach. You know, assistant coaches can't walk around Adelaide anonymously like they do in Melbourne. And, you know, any players are the same. And I think that can really wear on you and Port are feeling the brunt of that at the moment. You heard Chad Corns say that um, yesterday, and you know it's not something you'd normally hear a coach bring up, but he brought it up a couple of times, and it's obviously tough times, and they're feeling the effects over yeah, there. And the I understand all that, and I understand disappointment. I understand being felt let down. I understand all of those things, and all those feelings are justified. Yeah, to feel disappointed, to feel let down, to feel like it's not doing, uh, for, you know, it's not working in the way that you'd like it to. Yeah. But to go to a level of abuse that has someone who's come been in the game a long time be quite taken aback by it, you're getting yeah. to some you're getting to some wrong levels there, surely. Absolutely, absolutely. But um, at, the, at the end of the day, when people talk about the people that have made the biggest impact in their life, and when they speak at your funeral, they say, "When the chips were down, it was always someone you could rely on would always be there to support you and wrap your arms around you." Yes, that's the kind of person you want to be, don't you? Yes. Yep. Yeah, it's it's all rational. I, I'm 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 picking up what you're putting down, Sammy. But um, not everyone's as rational and sensible as you. Common <laughs> Jeez, sense if, is if, not if, that if, common. If I am if I am uh, if I'm a reference for common sense, then we're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> we're in a lot of trouble. Um, you can get involved uh, in the pregame show. It's for Beaumont Tiles, Australia's biggest. Uh, the Southern Phone open line. Always new SIM only offers from Southern Phone. Um, we're not too far away from uh, getting down into the Hawthorne room. That's speak right. To I think I'm, I'm out of here, am I not? I've worn out the cough button. So I, I think I'm, I've got other duties to attend to. So You're a busy man, I, I know you, that. Unless anyone objects. Uh, there's just... Uh, I've just been told something in my ear. Just go again there, Zoe. I missed that. Yeah, JJ's about, about ready to I've go. Well, been, so suddenly you telling me you're ready to go. I've got everybody telling me that you're ready to go. You're a big deal these days. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm about <laughs> to go down there and sit down there and make absolutely no impact on the game, but I look forward to it. Enjoy, my friend. Great to spend an arvo with you. Likewise. 
Uh, this is AFL Nation for Sports Power. Get the latest Puma footy boots in store at Sports Power now. Our pre-game show is for Beaumont Tiles, Australia's biggest. 0433981116. Uh, a few things coming in off the text. Spot on, Josh and Sam. Let's make going to the game safe for our kids. Uh, you can keep those coming through, 0433 uh, 11 16. And uh, just a Port Adelaide fan reminding you, JJ, on the way out the door, that it's 37 premierships. Thanks. That's from Damien. Thank you very much for that. Um, this is AFL Nation. We're doing it from the MCG. Hawks, Cats, about an hour and a half just over away from this traditional Easter Monday clash. Back after this, we're going to the Hawks rooms with assistant coach Adrian Hickmont. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. For all your tiling needs, in stock now. Well, the drizzle that's been falling at the MCG and right around Melbourne for most of the morning seems to have eased off. There's still a bit happening on the radar, but at the moment, no rain falling at the MCG, we're an hour and a half away from the opening bounce between the Cats and the Hawks. The Hawks have only won two of these Easter Monday clashes. Geelong have won ten of them last year. A five-point thriller. The Cats were up by four goals going into the last. Hawthorne came back and they weren't able to get over the line. The Cats holding out to win and get their tenth Easter Monday win. The Hawks coming off a 69-point drubbing at the hands of the Saints. Uh, the Cats are in very good nick on, in seventh on the ladder. We're lucky to get down into the Hawthorne rooms. Adrian Hickmott, uh, former Blue and now Hawthorne assistant coach, has been good enough to jump on with us. Adrian, hello to you. G'day, how you mate? Yeah, I'm well. How do you put behind? Uh, how do you put last week's performance behind you? And how did you, as a club, put it behind you? Yeah, look, um, as, as we know, we've got a, a young developing team and uh, St Kilda were really good for four quarters. Um, so we reviewed that game and, and took what we needed out of it. Um, in the contest, we need to be uh, stronger in there. Um, we worked on our ground balls during the week and we worked on you know, um, some handball games during the week just to make sure we keep it fresh in our mind that you know, we must win contest um, to give us a good start in any game. So we went through a bit of that during the week. Young side uh, in, in redevelopment mode, you, you, you're going to have some moments, aren't you? And, and that was probably the first real moment, uh-oh, sort of moment uh, under Sam Mitchell. Um, you don't go into panic stations uh, at that point. Sounds like you, you, you handle it pretty well playing games at training. Uh, it was, it was going to happen at some point. And how do you prepare for that eventuality? Yeah, no, we, we definitely don't go, oh, no. Um, it's, it's quite exciting in a way. You know, there's um, plenty of room uh, for development education with younger players. So, uh, And the look on their eyes um, during the game, uh, three quarters, four quarters in, um, and the ability for us uh, as, a, as a coaching group and um, is to settle them down and say it's all OK and um, go again. So um, it's a game of footy. Um, they love their footy and um, during the week and, and during all pre-season too, it's just about education and uh, keep sticking at it. Um, every game we get into any of the young guys and, and um, you know, the older men too about their leadership, it's really important. It looks like Sam's, um, you mentioned the midfield was an area of concern uh, in the way that the game unfolded last week. Um, you, you, Sam and, the, and, and you guys as a selection committee have, have sort of wheeled the axe there. Daniel Howe omitted, Finn McGuinness omitted and James Warple, uh, who's actually performed well a couple of times on, on this Easter Monday game, has been omitted. Uh, as well. Uh, you've brought back in uh, Tom Phillips and Liam Shields, that experience, along with Jacob Kaczynski. Um, not easy for young players to, to have those decisions made uh, about their playing and, and for 
James Warple, a, a former best and fairest winner at the club as well. They're tough decisions that have been made. How do they get communicated and explained? Yeah, they are tough decisions. It's pretty well for anyone, isn't it? You know, um, yeah, our expectations is to perform to the best of the ability each week. And um, if we don't do that, uh, yeah, you have to sit back and look at the review tapes and um, look at each individual. And from that um, come the results of, well, let's get some, let's make changes, uh, go back with the other guys and, and play good, strong VFL footy or train really well. You know, they, they got, there's no VFL footy for the um, box hill today, so they'll train tomorrow and the um, Phillips and Kaziski Shields coming back into the side, their performance at VFL level has been um, really good. You know, um, their leadership, their communication and to provide um, that within those games is fantastic. So it's good to have those guys back in. With, and I know that you want to try and steer away from comparisons between Alistair Clarkson and Sam Mitchell, but I can remember when Alistair Clarkson came to Hawthorne, um, he told established players, you know, great to the club at, at that time, that you're going to be just given a little spell and we're going to just give these youngsters a crack straight off the bat. That's exactly what Sam's done with your Finn McGuinnesses uh, and players like that. You've, they've been given a, a real chance at the expense of, you know, three-time Premiership player in Liam Shields um, and some others as well. So that must give them the world of confidence to know that they had their chance. They weren't quite able to cement their spot, but they know that the coach has got faith in them. Absolutely. To, you know, um, playing in sports or anywhere, really, for someone to have faith in you and and stick at it and um, you know Sam's really honest with his communication with all players and all staff so uh, his ability to um, have players understand where they're at in their form and and where they're about so um, no it's, it's it's a real good um, you know organization within that to develop our younger players to perform their best they can but also have them you know, mentally um, stable have them understand that they know where they're at so they're no confusion and then they go back and um, train really hard or or like today, we've got a few young fellas here that um, are excited about the day. Are we expecting James Warple? I can see him out there having a kick. Are we likely that, uh, I know you can't uh, give us a full indication, but is he in consideration to be the medical sub? Uh, in consideration. Thank you. Uh, does Sam Mitchell go into the specifics of what this day means? The Easter Monday clash, the history between Hawthorne and Geelong. Does he, does he delve into a bit of the mythology or just keep it pretty line and length? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, we all, uh, well, I shouldn't say we all know, but uh, most of the young kids uh, speak to, you know, Gunston and Bruce and the, the older fellas around, or I should say more experienced players around the club. And um, they've got a, they've got a um, feeling of um, how big this day is. And, um, we've trained during the week and built our way up through um, a light run yesterday and um, ready to go. Adrian, thank you so much for giving us some of your valuable time. Good luck uh, for you and the Hawks for what awaits today. It's a, it's a big stage and a big clash. Good on you. Thanks very much. Adrian Hickmont, Hawthorne assistant coach, uh, 10 years at the West Coast Eagles as an assistant and now uh, part of a very impressive coaching lineup at the Hawthorne Footy Club. Speaking of impressive lineups, it doesn't get much more impressive than the team that's assembling behind me, limbering up, doing their last minute stretches. Anthony Hudson, Dwayne Russell, Nathan Jones will be with you. That's our pregame show that will continue for Beaumont Tiles. Time to renovate. Choose Beaumonts. You'll be happy you did. Thanks to Josh Jenkins and to Brooksy and for all the team uh, that helped put this together with the pregame. It's a massive day at the MCG. Easter Monday clash. Hawks, Cats does not get much bigger than this. I hope you're enjoying your Easter Monday. It's going to continue on the other side of this from the MCG on AFL Nation. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. For all your tiling needs in stock now.
Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.